Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Well, good morning again. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen on the Faith Radio Network. This is Hour 2, so if you missed Hour 1, you can always listen to it later on the My Faith Radio app. Actually, it's just the Faith Radio app. Uh, if you go to MyFaithRadio.com, you can... Well, can't they... Uh, you know what? You could just text the word app, A-P-P. Text the word app, A-P-P, to the regular number that you're always texting, 877-933-2484. If you don't already have the app downloaded on your phone, that's the easiest way to get it. That way you don't have to look anything up. Text the word app to 877-933-2484, and you'll get the direct link to download the Faith Radio app. And that way you can, you know, take me with you wherever you go. Because I like to go places, and so, you know, take me along. The Yukon Huskies. So, a big shout-out to all of our listeners in Connecticut. Today, I know you're celebrating the Yukon Huskies won the Men's NCAA College Basketball Championship game 76-59. to That will be the entirety of the sports report this morning. Um, we are going to experience an extraordinary moment in U.S. history today. It's a, unusual, like, to know in advance, right, that you're going to have an extraordinary moment that is going to be documented in history. Um, And it's going to unfold today in New York City at the courthouse. Former President Donald Trump is uh, scheduled to surrender in Manhattan to face criminal charges. We don't know how many and we don't know what they are because the indictment is sealed um, until it is read. Uh, We believe that these charges, well, we know that they're stemming at least some of them from a 2016 series of payments made to um, Stormy Daniels and an inappropriate relationship that he had with her that really has nothing to do with um, the way the payments were recorded and reported. That's really what's at issue, the way the payments were recorded and reported. um, And that is what the former president is being brought up on charges um, in relationship to. Uh, We won't hear anything from the president uh, until he makes public comments at a planned event later tonight at Mar-a-Lago. So you can be watching for all of that. Um, the mayor of New York is encouraging everyone to keep their wits about them today. Um, voters are going to the polls in Chicago today, America's third largest city, to choose a new mayor. Um, OPEC has cut or is cutting oil production by over a million barrels a day. Uh, that uh, helped push Oil prices um, up by more than $5 a barrel to above $85 a barrel. Um, And you say, okay, this is an interference with all kinds of market dynamics. Yes, it is. It's also very likely going to drive up the cost of fuel for you and me as we uh, embark on all kinds of spring and summer travels. The big international news today, I mean, you know, we could turn in almost any direction and find big international news, but I'm going to lift this up as the most significant thing um, happening today globally. 
the the flag of Finland is due to be raised at NATO headquarters in Brussels. Um, Russia's Western neighbor uh, becomes the 31st member of the Western Alliance. Uh, And uh, this extends um, NATO's border with Russia directly, uh, more than doubling it, uh, adding another 832 miles um, to NATO's direct border with Russia. And you say, well, why does that matter? Well, it matters um, because of NATO's Article 5, which says an attack on any member is an attack on all. Uh, and in effect, it means that if Finland were to be invaded um, by Russia, then all NATO members, including the United States, would come to its aid. Uh, and so that is a notable change in, um, geopol- in the geopolitical landscape, and it's happening today. More on what we as Christians have to say and how we lean into global affairs and global events. Uh, Gaetan Roy is going to join us next. He serves as the permanent representative of the World Evangelical Alliance um, at the United Nations um, in, uh, uh, in Geneva. And so we're going to talk with him next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Gaetan Roy is joining us now. He serves as the permanent representative of the World Evangelical Alliance at the UN in Geneva. Gaetan, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning. Good morning. It's not morning where you are. Is that correct? No, it's uh, two o'clock in the afternoon. So So tell me, is the 4th of April already a good day? Oh, it's a wonderful day. Just hearing you before and coming after Trump, OPEC and NATO, man, that just elevates us, eh? Well, there you go. There you go. Yes, this is an elevated conversation that you and I are going to have because you are (laughs) going to talk with us about, um, you know, how, okay, first of all, why would the World Evangelical Alliance have a permanent representative at the UN in Geneva? And what do you do? Well, the UN, there's different bases of the UN in Geneva. You know, the one in New York City uh, that has uh, all the representatives of the world going there, the Security Council. But there's other places, and one of them is in Geneva, and Geneva focuses on uh, human rights. So it's our job in Geneva to address issues, and in the case of the Worldwide Evangelical Alliance, It's often based on issues of religious freedoms, where people are being marginalized, where people are being persecuted. And so we uh, raise our voices. It's a a bit the principle that you'd see in Proverbs 31, where it says, open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. And that's actually what we do. We represent... Uh, 600 million evangelicals around the world who are organized in 143 different alliances. And we raise our voices for them when it comes to issues of infringements of human rights. So what are some of the uh, primary conversations that you are engaged in um, on the human rights front, uh, you know, on behalf of evangelicals worldwide? 
Well, the UN has a, a system where all the 190 countries about of the world every five years are looked they're looked into there's uh there's a process called a universal periodic review and so a country comes up uh and we look at, at do we have issues in these in this country and then we address the issues like for instance india came up uh, half a year ago and we have huge issues in india where there's nationalism uh, that's happening. So one is uh, forcing the agenda of Hindus, uh, so the, the country, uh, and is, is marginalizing Christians and other faiths in the country. So what we did is we asked our evangelical constituency, what are you exactly experiencing in India? What type of infringements of your human rights and especially of your religious uh, rights? But we not only asked them, we asked other religious uh, movements in the countries, Dalits, uh, progressive Hindus, Muslims, if they were also experiencing the same thing, which they were. And then we prepare a report uh, that can have many pages to it with testimonies as to how this is panning out for these people. And then you get a very short period of time that's uh, measured like in seconds or a minute or two in front of the uh, Human Rights Council, and you get to deliberate shortly about what is going on and, of course, file your report. So that's, uh, that's one big part of the work that we do in Geneva. All right. And so when I hear you say that, you and I both absolutely recognize and every single person listening recognizes you are not accomplishing um, all that you're doing in that one minute. There is groundwork that has been done. There is a relational, um, uh, there's relational work. You know these people because you have gone there to serve them. Um, you don't view yourself uh, so much as a, uh, as a lobbyist as you do as like an agent of God's grace in this very strange place um, called to serve these people. Can you talk about that? Can you talk about what you're doing there? Like why God has you there and this unique question that you, um, that you ask every member of the UN when you encounter them? Well, it, it, it didn't start in the UN. It started in national politics. Uh, I'm first the missions director of an evangelical church uh, in Germany and we're members of the two national missions-oriented organizations, one called Network M, and the other one is the Association of Evangelical Missions. Now, I'm a board member of both. I'm the chairman of Network M. We started nine years ago to engage in politics. And it had a very, there was a very specific reason. We often have a, a gift in our country uh, of complaining about everything. Uh, I always call it the, uh, the, the gift of unthankfulness, uh, and I told my colleagues, we keep complaining about politics, uh, and but it doesn't change anything. You know, actually, it just uh, helps to raise depression if we just keep on complaining. So why don't we engage politics? When I was living in Canada, I'm originally a Canadian, uh, I was working with national politics, suggesting policy issues. And I know when you have good ideas, well, they get enacted upon. And so I told my colleagues, but let's do it in a way 
that demonstrates our faith in a non, uh, you know, in, in a nice fashion. And I said, one of the big things I want to do is I'm going to ask everybody how I can serve them. And there's a reason I started doing that. Uh, I came to Germany in 1991. I learned the language before, but I learned myself. And I saw these people in national politics that are, are great. They have a huge rhetoric. Uh, and I thought, man, how am I going to survive this when I come up with issues? And I was praying and I was asking God, you know, my German is great and I, I, I can present things in, in various circles in Parliament. But if you get into a kind of a, you know, verbal discourse or fight, how am I going to survive this? And I had the impression God was saying, ask everybody how to serve them. Mm. And I thought, man, this is stupid. This is going to sound really terrible. This doesn't work in our culture. But I, I, I understood that. Uh, I thought I felt that God was unrelenting, and I was to ask everybody this question: How can I serve you? And nine years later, if, if I was going to write a book about this, I'd have to write in the book: Well, this was the big game changer, and for a specific reason. Nobody does this. People come in, they complain at the politicians, and then they come with demands. And I said, well, serving has different expressions. And one of the expression is going to be that we never bring demands. We meet people thankfully that they're doing this work. And uh, MPs in Germany are working 70 to 80 hours a week. And so we meet them with uh, thankfulness and we don't bring demands. We bring suggestions. How can we change uh, this particular problem? And so it became the game changer. And then nine years later, the World Evangelical Alliance um, saw what I was doing in national politics, and I was sometimes at the UN in Geneva, and they asked me is that if I would be willing to pick up the position as their permanent representative, the chief diplomat uh, for them at the UN. And I told them, I said, well, it's only going to work if I'm faithful to what I believe God has called me to do, and I really wish to serve people, to serve our constituency, to serve the ambassadors at the UN. So I, I will be asking this question. And they were very happy about this because it does demonstrate uh, our faith, what we believe in. And so this is, a, this is how it came about. So the question comes up at every meeting at the UN. When I meet somebody new, I will always ask him this question, how can I serve you? And, uh, you know, part, and part of the answer is I can serve them in that I bring useful suggestions how we could change things to uh, resolve a problem. We're going to talk more with Gaetan Roy in just a moment. He is serving on behalf of the War World Evangelical Alliance um, at the United Nations in Geneva, and he's asking this question of everyone he meets. How can I serve you? How might your day be changed, and how might your life be changed if that were the question you led with today? You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Faith Radio. Listen to Faith Radio live or on demand no matter where you go. Download the free Faith Radio app at your app store today. I cast my mind to Calvary Where Jesus bled and died for me Continuing our conversation with Gaetan Roy, he is serving on behalf of all 600 million evangelical Christians in the world. And through the World Evangelical Alliance, uh, he serves at the United Nations in Geneva as the permanent representative, which, which means he represents our concerns. If you're an evangelical Christian, 
Like your concerns are being represented um, in Geneva at the UN by and uh, by this individual, like he's embodying our concerns um, and he's doing that by being an effective witness of Jesus and seeking to serve those uh, to whom he has sent and not just speak to them, um, not just impress upon them our concerns, but also understand what their concerns are and see how he can serve in the midst of that. Gaetan, um, you, you talk about taking positive ideas like these. Uh, the, the World Evangelical Alliance um, isn't just a body of people wringing its hands on the sidelines. They're like constructive ideas being offered forward. That's right. And it's all, it's all about, uh, of course, being realistic. It's, it's useless to come with, uh, with ideas that nobody can actually uh, bring about. And so, and I think it's, it's a very uh, important, very key issue. And, um, you know, if I were just to continue the story about this, um, actually this whole principle of serving has been for me uh, something that comes out even before I was working in politics. I used to be a national worship leader uh, in Germany. And I had one day, we were working on a specific project, and I had one day a talk with a, a Jewish scholar and we started talking about worship, and I was telling him that we have founded in Germany this uh, worship academy, and that we help people do worship better in the churches. And he looks at me and says, "What? That doesn't that doesn't work at all. How how can you do that? You're either worshiping God, you are that, or you're not. You cannot help somebody to worship better." And I understood what he meant. He meant the holistic side of worship. And it's kind of embodied, you know, if you look in Romans 12, for instance, it says, uh, you know, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. This is your spiritual act of worship. And but in, behind this word worship is the word latreya, and latreya actually means to serve. It's not about music, it's about to serve. So your whole life should be of service to God. And for us as evangelicals, it's one of the key elements in our faith that people can experience Jesus through us. Uh, so do they experience Jesus through us if we talk too much? People, Most people today will experience Jesus a lot more through us if we act, if we're just... Uh, uh, if we're just the servants of Jesus and serve the people, uh, and then they ask you, why are you like this? And then, of course, when people ask the question, it's important to answer it. And so it goes way back. It's not just in politics and through this impression and prayer I've had. We've been teaching this in our schools of worship, that you either are worship, that what you do on Sunday morning is the embodiment of the week behind you. And if you're not, well, it's just... Hollywood, we'd call it. You're just doing something, going through the moves, but you're not really worship. So serving is something that is uh, it is to be seen in a holistic fashion. So so that's where it comes from. And I think it's a, it's a very important part of our testimony as evangelicals to live out the gospel, be living examples of the gospel and have people experience Jesus through us. Um, Gaetan, I'm wondering if you could uh, tell us how we could pray for you today. Just pray that God gives us strength and wisdom in this work. We are not just involved in addressing problems. We're also involved 
in addressing some of the big conflicts around the world. There's a couple of issues that we're working on right now with different actors, with different countries. It's very difficult. It requires a lot of uh, God-given wisdom uh, and, and strength to pull this through. So you can pray about that. Father, we come before you as brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, we come by the power of the Holy Spirit. We come in the unity of your spirit and through the bond of peace. And we lift up our brother Gaetan today. Um, we thank you um, that you have placed him in this strategic position for such a time as this. We thank you that he serves you and in serving you, he's serving so many others. We ask, Father, that you would give him strength and wisdom today and those uh, with whom he labors. Give them um, favor in the work that they are doing on your behalf, that you might be glorified, that more and more people might come to see you for who you really are. Um, Father, we thank you for um, each and every member of the body of Christ around the world. And we ask right now that you would bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Gaetan, thank you so much for being with us today. You're welcome. Thank you for your time. Absolutely. Blessings upon you. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Let's take a break for Breakpoint. I want you to consider for a moment that you are an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, And in the same way that Jesus made the Father known in the world, he sends us, his followers, he sends us into the world that God so loves to make him known. And so how we represent Christ, how we serve as his representatives, how we represent Christ in the world actually matters. Like his, his name is at stake. His reputation is at stake. His glory is at stake. And so when my mom used to say to me when I'd leave the house, hey, don't forget, you might be the only Bible somebody else reads today. It matters that you actually know what the Word of God says and that you intimately know who the Word of God is. And so I want you to consider where in the Word you are today, not only where you are in the Scriptures and in your understanding of them, in your apprehension and application or integration of the word into your life by the power of the Holy Spirit, but also where in the word you are in terms of the person of Christ, your union with Christ. We're going to talk with Tom Rayner about his new book, I Believe, A Concise Guide to the Essentials of the Christian Faith, because in America, people who profess to be Christians certainly don't all mean the same thing when we lay claim to that moniker. So what does it actually mean to believe the things that the Christian church has always believed? What are the essentials of the Christian faith? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. I know what I believe. Uh, Tom Rayner is here to talk with us about what we believe and whether or not what we believe is actually Christian. 
Um, you know Tom. He is the founder and CEO of Church Answers. He has joined us on many occasions to talk about other books. Most recently, Am uh, Am a Christian? I Am a Christian. And today we're talking about, I believe, one of my favorite books that Tom ever wrote is I'm a Church Member. And if you've never read that and considered um, the commitments um, that are included there, it is uh, it, it is a wonderful book as well. Tom, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks, Carmen. Great to be back with you. Okay, so we have a problem. Um, so can you can you tell us the problem that you're seeking to adra- address in I Believe? Well, there is a problem. I'm going to give it illustratively if I can. We have been surveying churches since 1996. Now, that in itself sounds very boring. But then when you begin to hear the results of some of the surveys that we have done, and again, we're talking about tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of church members, here is but one trend that we are watching. One trend, these are active church members. These are people who participated in a survey which shows that they're willing to do something in the church anyway. And we have been watching those surveys. And one of the questions basically asks, do you think there's a way to salvation outside of Christ? And we are almost, almost at a majority of active church members who do not believe that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. Now, having said that, that is just but one data point. And so the problem, Carmen, as I see it, is that we've got to get back to the basics. We've got to start teaching, preaching, and doing everything we can to move our church members and the power of the Holy Spirit back to the basics of what it means to be a believer. Thus, when I say I believe, it is not just an affirmation of Tom Rainer. It should be an affirmation of all who believe in Christ. It's getting back to the basics, and therein lies the problem. So can we just deal briefly with that question before we move into the contents of this book? Because sure Jesus, can. I mean, this week we are going to go with Jesus to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he is going to plead with the Father that if there be any other way to accomplish this salvation, if this can be done in any other way, God, please, you know, please take this cup from me. I mean, if there be any other way. And he's sweating drops of blood. He's pleading mm. with the Father. And right. God doesn't provide another way. If God doesn't see another way to salvation other than through the cross of Jesus Christ, how— how could any God-fearing, honest person answer that question by saying, oh, yeah, there must be other ways to salvation? I, w- I would have to say, without trying to have a judgmental heart or judgmental eye, that if someone cannot affirm that Christ is the only way, he or she is likely not a Christian, because that is the essence of the belief that we have. When we say things like we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, we embrace him as as the as the only true God. What we are saying, in essence, is that we not only believe everything the Bible says, but specifically we believe what he says. And most of your listeners, Carmen, will know John 14, 6 is a response to Thomas asking, how can we know? And Jesus, 14, 6 begins, John 14, 6 begins, Jesus said. And so Jesus begins to talk about he being the only way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So the moment you start saying that there are other ways, you are essentially denying Christ. And denying Christ is not a what a believer does or says. And so I think this is just symptomatic of some of the larger issues that we are seeing in, with Christians, particularly American Christians today. 
All right. I also, um, Tom, think that we want to rationalize uh, other people into heaven who we didn't bother telling about Jesus, and we want mm. to get out of the Great Commission. Like, I think there's there's some... Yeah. Anyway. Okay. We could spend time there or we could dive into the book, which is what you're here to do. So let's do that. I believe a concise guide to the essentials of the Christian faith. We're going to talk about doctrine, which which sounds kind of boring, but it's not. It does. (laughs) It does sound kind of boring because you think of doctrine as a list of of, of facts that you have to memorize. It, It reminds me of my high school and college days when I had so much memorization to do in history classes, and I used to dread that moment. Oh, my goodness, doctrine. I have to I have to go through this list. It's not a list as much as it is believing. And this is this is where we start off the book. I believe in the Bible. So that's where we start. If 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 we are not willing to say that the 39 books of the Old Testament, the 27 books of the Old of the New Testament are not the truth, then it's hard to go any further than that. So we have to affirm that we are looking at a Bible that is without error, a Bible that is true, and a Bible that when we look at it, we know that we are reading God's truth, that we are hearing directly from God. Christ was the living, is the living word. The Bible is the written word. And this is how God communicates to us. And if we're not going to listen, we might as well just pick up some secular pop psychology book and say, this is truth as opposed to the Bible is truth. So yeah, it is a, it is, it's, it's several essentials. It is, it's several affirmations, but it is essentially who are we? What do we believe? And do we truly believe in this creator who has given us life through Christ? Do we really believe that he gave us Christ to forgive us of sins? Oh, I'm, I'm getting off in a lot of different directions, Carmen, but just essentially to say this is, this is more than a list of affirmations to memorize. We're talking with Tom Rayner. The book is I Believe, A Concise Guide to the Essentials of the Christian Faith. We do have copies to give away today. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484 to enter the drawing. Um, Tom, when, when you say that, you know, we have these questions, who are we? What do we believe? How then shall we live? Um, how do I respond to the reality uh, of a creator and who he really is? All of those are connected questions. Um, They're not independent of each other. Can you talk about the relationship between what we believe and how we live? Well, first of all, what we believe in a simple statement determines how we live. If we believe that we have a friendship, if we believe that we have a marriage, then we will act accordingly. When we say we believe certain truth of the Christian faith, let me just give one example among many. We, we talked about, uh, I'm just trying to remember, I think it's chapter 10 in the book. That's really irrelevant. But where I believe that salvation, that Christ is the only way of salvation. Uh, when, when we say that, what we are saying is the person of Christ affects my life. So number one, I am going to embrace him by faith. I'm going to receive a free gift of salvation grace. So that's that's one part of it. Number two, if I really believe that, I am going to tell others about him. I am going to demonstrate Christ in my life through how I live and what I say. And so naturally an outgrowth, as one example, naturally an outgrowth of affirming Christ being the only way of salvation, which I've seen to park on this time, is a heart to tell others 
the good news. Now, if I believe that I have been forgiven of my sin, if I truly believe that that Christ has gone to the cross to die for me, then I am going to have that same attitude toward Christ in reverence, and I'm going to have a similar attitude that I am going to have a heart of love for others. Not, we cannot be Christ on the cross, but we can be Christ to people, and we're going to demonstrate that love as well. We could go down all of the doctrines, every single doctrine affects who we are and what we do. If we really believe that there is a heaven, if we believe that Christ is returning, which we have to affirm according to Scripture, we are going to live in anticipation of that, and that is going to affect our decisions day by day, week by week, month by month, until He comes, until we join Him. And so, all of these, uh, th this whole list of of doctrines, and I, I hate to call it a list, but this 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 these different affirmations, all of these are called orthodoxy, what we believe. But the word that we also need to remember is orthopraxy, what we practice. And so from these beliefs come, as the late Francis Schaeffer asked in his book, how then shall we live? We live because we believe. We're going to continue our conversation with Tom Rayner in just a moment. We are giving away copies of I Believe. Today, it's a concise guide to the essentials of the Christian faith. You can text the word give. No, sorry, book. I, I'm, I got the fundraiser on the mind, so let me just pause for a moment. You're going to text the word book to 877-933-2484 to enter the drawing. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and we're going to be right back more with Tom Rayner. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Well, I was kind of like the pastor who called for the offering at the wrong point of the service. I apologize for that. Uh, you're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. We're talking with Tom Rayner, his latest book, I Believe, A Concise Guide to the Essentials of the Christian Faith. We are giving away copies today. If you want to enter that drawing, text the word book to 877-933-2484. Tom, has that ever happened to you? Have you ever called for the offering at the wrong point in the service? I'm not going to go down the list of all the things I've done wrong while I've been speaking in any kind, type of context. I, I bet I got your beat, Carmen. <laughs> oh, all right. So um, I want to talk with you uh, this 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 concept of literacy and the concept of biblical literacy and the concept of doctrinal literacy. Um, what what have you learned through all of your research at Church Answers and all of the number of years you've been having these conversations with pastors and congregations? What are some things you're learning about what we think we know or how much we think we know and really how how that just does not line up with what Scripture says? Most church leaders are surprised when they learn through such a thing as a survey or something similar how doctrinally uninformed our church members are. 
uh, biblically illiterate or maybe biblically ignorant. So the first thing that we always hear is, I had no idea. I am surprised. And then we back up. We, we say, okay, why is this happening? And I don't, I don't want to make this some type of formulaic approach, but there, there are some essentials that we are seeing in churches where the, to use the word again, essentials of the Christian faith are not being taught. Number one, there is not an expectation that you should know them. And so we're, we're going to many church leaders and saying, look, when someone comes into your church through a membership class, an entry point or whatever the case may be, one of the first things you have to do is not merely give them the the beliefs of the church, but teach them the beliefs of the church and emphasize how important it is. Secondly, a number of pastors, and they will admit this, this is not a this is not Tom Rayner shaming pastors, but a number of pastors will admit this, that they preach sometime with the assumption that their listeners know biblical truths. And so they teach application without the foundation. And then a third thing that we're seeing is a lot of groups, small groups, community groups, Sunday school classes, whatever the group form may be, are studying a lot of good things, but they're not studying the best thing, which is the Word of God. And so those are just three data points that we have that we are helping churches to see that this is what it means to be a believer and that your church members understand what it means to be a believer as well. So that's, again, not not some type of just easy fix solution, but it's some of the data points we have with churches today. I think it's important to tell people that this book is um, brief. I mean, it's not overwhelming in length. Um, it's also written um, at, at a uh, at a conver- in a conversational tone and at a uh, at a level that can be apprehended by anyone. And so, I think that's really essential. Um, when you imagine sort of the best environment for this book to be opened and discussed, I'm thinking it's a small group. Totally. I am thinking it is a small group. The churches have different forms of small groups, but uh, uh, whether it's a Sunday school class, community group, life group, small group, home group, whatever the name may be, this is the context because it's hard to avoid the beliefs of the Christian faith if you're going through a book about the essentials of the Christian faith. And yes, Carmen, I do write brief conversational books. There's a reason behind it. I'm not smart enough to write deep, long books. And so this is, this is not, this is a default style of mine because, uh, I, I, I like to get on the conversational level and that's where I'm most comfortable. We talked earlier this week with Dave Buring about, um, the disconnect between folks who sort of think they're Christians but have no evidence in their life of transformation. And that's because they 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 know some verses of Scripture, um, but they have not responded in obedience to the things that God has revealed. Um, I'd love for you to just talk about your own experience of transformation, because it's not that you're just a little bit better than you were before. Like you're a different person because of Jesus. And that testimony um, bears upon like why you're concerned about these things. I was a teenager in high school. Now we're talking a few centuries ago to talk about when I'm a teenager in high school. And when I was a teenager in high school, I had a high school football coach that recognized that I was not a Christian. There were probably many indications it was hard to miss that I was not a Christian. He called me into his office, and I would had no idea why I was in his office. I thought it may have been something related to football, but it was not. And 
as I best recall, and again, that many years ago, the specifics probably have escaped me, but the essence of the conversation was, Rainer, I don't think you are a Christian. Can I tell you what it means to be a Christian? He was just that straightforward. He shared the the true gospel with me. He, he told us how Paul wrote the letter at Rome and all had fallen short of the glory of God. All were sinners and that I could not get to heaven with sin in my life, any sin, but I can get to heaven because that sin can be taken away by Jesus' death on the cross, which is one of the essentials of the Christian faith, what he did on the cross. He was my substitute. Of course, coach didn't use all those kind of words, but I understand them now. Was I an immediate transformed Christian? Yes, spiritually I was, but then I was a baby Christian, and so I had to grow. And even at this point in my life, Carmen, I feel like I'm still having to grow, but I am not growing of my own strength or my own power because when I became a follower of Christ, when I accepted that I was a sinner and I asked for forgiveness and asked for Christ to be my Lord and Savior, it was at that point that I had the Holy Spirit coming into my life. You know, the Old Testament has the Holy Spirit coming upon people. The New Testament has the Holy Spirit coming into people, one of the great transformations. So it is not just I have this list of beliefs that is my guideline. I have the one true God through his spirit living in with living in me. And if that is not transformational, then nothing is transformational. And this Sunday, we will be celebrating the annual Easter of the resurrection of Christ, which should be celebrated all the time. But it is a reminder, Christ rose from the dead. He defeated death. He defeated sin. And because of that, Everything else matters, and that is the essence of the Christian faith. I became a follower of Christ because of the obedience of a high school football coach, and every good thing that has happened to me, I attribute to what God has done through his earliest testimony, and today, if I have anything to to offer to Christ, it is because he came within me and is dwelling within me today. That changes everything. And I hope that when we are sitting in an Easter service, whether we are an Easter only, and I hope that we are more than that, but I hope we remember what we are celebrating. Christ rose again, and he lives, and that changes everything. Hmm. Amen. Amen. Tom, as always, thank you so much, not only for this conversation in this book, but for your witness and your testimony. The book is, I Believe, A Concise Guide to the Essentials of the Christian Faith. We're giving away copies today. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484 to enter the drawing. Tom Rayner, uh, you can find at churchanswers.com on Facebook and Twitter. He is Tom Rayner. Tom, thank you so much. Blessed Easter. You too, Carmen. Thank you for having me. Thank you. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Right now, living in Minnesota, I'm happy to talk about anything spring. What really motivates me is this wonderful gathering we have during our fundraiser. The stories, the love, the vision that is shared from the listeners and from us make for a wonderful week. Pray for us and pray for how God might have you participate. And also pray we can all memorize that phone number. Oh, wait, never mind. We, we have it. When you make it home right in the middle of an amazing conversation, and you don't want to miss the rest of it. Hey, Alexa, play Faith Radio. Playing Faith Radio. 
Now you can go seamlessly from listening on your car radio to listening at home with your smart speaker. Ask Alexa to play Faith Radio and listen live. Enable the Faith Radio skill on your Amazon Alexa today. Need help? Go to MyFaithRadio.com. All right, if you missed any portion of um, the show today or, or you say, hey, I, I wanted to take notes on part of it and I didn't get it, if you text the word APP, A-P-P, to 877-933-2484, you'll get a bounce back. You can download the Faith Radio app. That way you'll have the podcast as soon as it's populated. Um, we would love it if you'd visit with us today at MyFaithRadio.com. We've got a ton of great resources and we'd love to see you there. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.